Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the second season of Lamplighters Podcasts. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. No matter who you are or where you are, no matter the time or experience you've had following Jesus, or if you hadn't had any experience at all, we are grateful to be on the journey with you and look forward to becoming more of who God created us to be. So Jan, last week we talked about John the Baptist Mm -hmm. and how he was a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He was the last prophet who pointed to the Messiah and announced his coming. So what are we going to look at this week? Well, this is our third week taking a look at the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, and I feel like everything has been building up to this point. It's Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you're on one of those huge, giant roller coasters, and you're slowly, slowly hearing the cogs inch you toward the top, knowing you're (laughs) going to tip over any minute and start that thrilling and terrifying drop down, right? Uh Well, that's kind of how I feel with this. The entire Old Testament, actually all of history, Mm -hmm. has been building slowly toward this point in time. And however you describe that, whatever adjective you use, you cannot overstate the importance of this moment. It really is the apex of history. Um, All of history pointed to this moment, Mm -hmm. and all of history moves from this moment. Mm. And we, of course, are talking about the birth of a tiny baby, the Son of God, who will change everything, Mm -hmm. including history. Yeah. So it's I'm very excited about it. But it's also a very familiar story to any of us who have followed Christ for any length of time, even a brief amount of time. Mm-hmm. And it's familiar even to people who don't follow Christ because of what our culture has done with the story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because it is so familiar, the details may have lost their power to inspire awe and wonder in us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a danger with the story because we know it so well. Yeah, it is a danger. I know what you mean. It is so easy for us to gloss over the things that we hear over and over again in Mm -hmm. that story and forget the significance of them. And I think the problem with the Christmas story is that so often it gets lost in the busyness of the Christmas season, Mm -hmm. which is an entirely, can be an entirely different commercialized thing. When we're not talking about Advent, we're talking about like like a commercial thing. Mm And so I think it takes some real deliberate intentionality. Yes, yes. And one of the things, one of the ways that I try and do that is to just slow down and focus on Christmas music. Mm. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's like, it's just one of those things that brings me back to the reason, right? Yeah. It's, and it's one song in particular, that song, Mary, Did You Know? It just gets me every time. You know, as a mother and now a grandmother, it's hard to hear that song and not think of the sacrifice that that precious baby will make and what that must feel to the mother. Exactly. I cry every time I hear it. Yeah. yeah. Um, music, as we all know, is one of the best ways to hear a different perspective um, because we process orally mm-hmm. different than we process orally. Mm-hmm. Um, so in anticipation of this podcast today, I was pondering, I love that word pondering, mm-hmm. you know, how do we see this familiar Christmas story with fresh eyes? Uh-huh. And and what in the world can you and I say, Lynn, that hasn't been said or written or sung far better than we could ever do, right? Right. right. 
So I was pondering on all that. And then I had, as the Holy Spirit does, a Holy Spirit moment of inspiration, right? My granddaughter and her friend were playing with Harold's good binoculars. And now that I have said that, it's out there in cyberspace. Please don't tell him they were doing that. But at any rate, you've used binoculars before, right? Of course. Yeah. How do you use them? So... In my life, binoculars are used mostly when we're like out in the country at the ranch or whatever, looking for wildlife. Mm-hmm. And you just hold them up to your eyes and it brings details that are far, far away up close so you can see them. Exactly. You put the small lens to your eye mm-hmm. and you look through the big end. Right. So you can see things close up. So binoculars bring the far near. Mm-hmm. But the girls were laughing and giggling so much that I kind of felt like, uh, I should go check on them. Mm-hmm. You know how mm-hmm. that is? Yes. Uh, and they were using the binoculars backwards. So they were looking through the large end, uh-huh. which made the near very far away. They were on our porch, and they could see the entire valley in front of them all at one time. And for some reason, they thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that must and, be an age thing. My grandkids do the exact same thing. Oh, isn't that funny? But it, it dawned on me watching them do that, that we can actually do that with the Christmas story. So we can look through a different lens, and when we do that, the story uh, zooms out, as it mm-hmm. as it were. Mm-hmm. It gets it, you can see the whole story together, all at the same time, through the lens of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So um, our church started a new preaching series in mid October, uh, reminding us that each story in the Bible has multiple layers, and it unfolds differently for every character in the story. Mm-hmm. We were encouraged to insert ourselves into the story and to identify which each of the characters in order to experience the layers and what God wants to teach us. Now, that's not news to lamplighters. Right. Because we have been telling people that for years. But I thought what was interesting about that Mm -hmm. was that the series is called Perspectives. Yes. And that's a little bit of what we're going to do today with this familiar Christmas story. Okay. Now, I will tell you, I have done that. I have read these scriptures before trying to see and experience what each of the people involved did. Mm -hmm. But true confession, I have never read these verses with the Spirit in mind. Yeah. And so doing so really changed my perspective. When I switched lenses and ceased to focus on the baby and his mother, which Mm -hmm. is my natural focus— I discovered that the Spirit is super active in this story. Which now, should not surprise us no, at all. <laughs> it isn't. It's very natural. If we, yeah. you know, we'd expect a lot of activity yes, on his part at this essential culmination part in history, yes, right? Yes. And it dawned on me, it was a bit like a symphony. Um, a symphony has a conductor, mm-hmm. right? Who studies the piece, who knows the the history of it, who knows the composer, he understands the statement and the emotion of the piece. He he makes all of the different parts and instruments come together and play and balance and form. And and it's always in perfect timing, mm-hmm. right? Now, occasionally you will notice the conductor, mm-hmm. like when he walks out on the stage or when he turns around for applause. Right. But most of the time you are just absorbed in the music. Yeah. If we think in those terms, the Holy Spirit is the conductor of the Christmas story, making all of the various parts and people come together perfectly in God's perfect timing. Occasionally, we'll see the Holy Spirit out front, but He's mostly hidden, and He's always pointing to Jesus. So it was a great way of looking at the story in a, with fresh eyes for me. 
Yeah, I love that visual of the conductor. I think that's a really good, a good way to look at it. Yeah. So where are you going to start? Okay. Well, what we have this week is the entire Christmas story in three parts. Okay. So the first part is the story from Mary's perspective Mm -hmm. when the angel comes. The second part is the story from Elizabeth's point of view. And the third part is the story from Joseph's point of view, Mm. the Matthew passage. Mm -hmm. So since I sometimes find it helpful to look at things upside down, let's take them in reverse order. And let's remember to put on the lens of the Holy Spirit, right? Got it. First, Joseph. You can see the Holy Spirit's activity before you even get to the story, because the Holy Spirit went ahead to make the path smoother for both Mary and Joseph by inspiring Matthew to begin his gospel with a defense of Mary. You know, her reputation had suffered among law-abiding Jews of the time, and so Matthew makes it very clear that she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. not she got pregnant. Right. Uh, This wasn't just some unwed teenage mother. Mm -hmm. Her pregnancy was from God. So we have the Holy Spirit there. Then we have the Holy Spirit exhibiting such kindness to Joseph. If you think about it, imagine being in his shoes. Yeah. He's trying to do the right thing. Uh, He discovers Mary is pregnant. He's trying to divorce her quietly so she won't be stoned because Mm -hmm. that was the penalty for adultery um, back then. And and he's trying to do this very gently and kindly toward her. And then he has this dream. The angel of the Lord appears to him. Now, you don't know if it's Gabriel who was busy during this time Mm -hmm. or if it was the Holy Spirit. But the message delivered was the same message he had given to Mary. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. This is what's going to happen, and this is what you are to do. Mm. Joseph had to take on a new bride, pregnant, but not by him, protect her, suffer the shame and humiliation along with her, Mm. travel to Bethlehem when she was 15 and a half months pregnant, you know, (laughs) fully round Mm. with child, uh, provide for her, deliver the baby, name him Jesus. And then after another dream, he had to flee to Egypt. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like not the way you want to start your marriage, right? What a monumental responsibility was laid on Joseph's shoulders to raise and provide for and protect and be daddy to the son of God. Yeah. I mean, I frankly find his obedience to be almost unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And the only way he had that character and that faith and that strength and that grace was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. You know, this makes me realize how little I've ever thought about Joseph and his role in the life of Jesus. You know, I've always thought about the first part and the faith he showed by staying with Mary, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I ever really thought about that much once Jesus was born, mm-hmm. like as you said, to be his earthly father, to be his dad. I just don't think I thought about that much. That's a heavy responsibility. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely needed the power of the Holy Spirit to shoulder that responsibility. Um, I also love how this story reveals the Trinity with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You right. see them all in that story. Right. In fact, um, in some ways, Joseph acts like the Holy Spirit. Um, after Jesus' birth and the flight to Egypt, 
Joseph sort of fades into the background. Mm. But you know he's there fulfilling his responsibilities to Jesus and Mary, equipping Jesus as he grows up. We don't actually know what happened to Joseph. Right. He just faded from the picture. Yeah. Uh, but he left Jesus as his full-blown self when he was an adult. And so in that sense, he was kind of like the Holy Spirit. He sort of faded into the background. Okay, let's look at the second part of the story. Just six verses, but the Holy Spirit is saturating each one of them. Mm -hmm. So we can see it before even we get to these verses today. Um, Elizabeth's pregnancy, as you pointed out last week, Mm -hmm. was miraculous. Mm -hmm. It was supernatural because she was barren and she was old. And so... That um, power of the Holy Spirit was in preparation for what was to come. So maybe she's like the orchestra tuning up. Okay. Um, We see the Holy Spirit also in the timing of Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth, because it was, of course, perfect. Mm -hmm. And this young woman who was pregnant needed an older woman's advice and encouragement and help. And so the Holy Spirit sent her Mm -hmm. to Elizabeth. Um, we talked last week about how uh, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy mm-hmm. in recognition of the baby in Mary's womb. Now, like, whoever heard of such That's a thing? That's crazy. Yeah, that's right? crazy. That's crazy. Two unborn babies recognizing each other. That's the Holy Spirit in each of them. Yeah. And then, of course, it states that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit so that she could know what was going on and she could be able to bless and encourage Mary. Um. The faith of both of these women to believe that God would actually do what He promised them He would do is also a gift from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And and what strikes me about all of this is all of that's extraordinary. It's very supernatural. But it happens in the most ordinary of circumstances. We have a visit between yeah. cousins, and they're both pregnant. Right. And yet every moment is holy and filled with the Spirit. Yeah, it's, if you just take one minute to look at it, it's mm-hmm. easy to see. This isn't a real yeah. puzzling thing. So we looked at that briefly last week from the perspective of the Holy Spirit in the life of John the Baptist. Yep. And it's just more proof that the Holy Spirit cannot be contained. He has that infinite power to use anyone he wants in any way that he wants, whenever he wants. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that is an encouragement for us to remember that every moment is holy. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit may be using it in ways we don't even begin to see. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we come to the best known part of the story, and that is Mary and the angel. Um, <laughs> this is so familiar, but I was just really trying to put myself both in Mary's shoes and in Gabriel's shoes. Can you imagine having this news to announce? So the angel Gabriel shows up with Mary, and he gives her some astonishing and perplexing news. First of all, he starts out by saying, Mary, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And by the way, don't be afraid of this next part I'm going to tell you, right? You're going to have a son who's the long-awaited Messiah. He'll be great. He'll sit on David's throne. He will reign forever. His kingdom will be eternal. Now, I'm trying to imagine being a 14 or 15-year-old girl hearing that. Mm -hmm. And my response would have been, what? Say that again? Are you kidding me? Mary's simple question was how? Because she knew she was a virgin. And note how graciously the angel answers her. 
He answers and he doesn't answer. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the one born will be called the Son of God. There again, we have that Trinity. The Father, through the Spirit, will bring the Son. Mm. So the Spirit is acting here, yet He's concealing His action behind this veil of mystery. He doesn't explain it. He just says, this is what's going to happen. It's it's like the wind. You know, we said that before. We don't understand how. We only experience that Mm -hmm. He is at work. Mm -hmm. Now, the other side of this, although I'm sure Mary felt the extraordinary honor of being highly favored in one sense, she also had to know the suffering that was going to come with this favor when she turned up as an unwed mother, right? Yeah. yeah. That was an anathema in her culture. Mm -hmm. She could have been stoned for that. Mm -hmm. And yet Mary's response was just one of this complete humility and this radical obedience. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That kind of response and trust is only possible when the Holy Spirit is inspiring it, is breathing it into you, Mm -hmm. right? So what do we do with this Christmas story through the lens of the Holy Spirit? Um, We always like to ask what it means for us today. I think it's significant for us today in particular because the message of the Holy Spirit to us is the same as it was to Mary. Mm. You are highly favored to have been chosen by God. God is with you. Do not be afraid, for the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and you will bear the image of my Son to the world. Mm -hmm. Just as the Holy Spirit made Jesus the Son of God through physical human birth, He makes us children of God through spiritual birth. And that is no less a miracle, if you think about it. Mm. And then it doesn't end there. The Holy Spirit dwells within us, changing us from the inside, transforming us into the image of Christ so we can give birth to Him. So of all the characters in this story, we are actually all Mary. Mm. We are all pregnant by the Holy Spirit who reproduces Christ in us that we may bear his image to a world that is in darkness and severe need. We are bearers of the good news. I don't think I'll ever be able to hear that story again without thinking because you, up until that, I thought of that as a particularly, a very singular message to Mary. Mm-hmm. And it isn't. You take those words and it does apply to us. Yep. That's remarkable. It's we, because that living word of God, right? Yeah. We, God lives within us. Well, there's yeah. obviously so much depth to this story and mm. so much more than just the arrival of Jesus, even though clearly that's the highlight. Um, I'm struck by that phrase you used for Mary, complete humility and radical obedience. Now, the Holy Spirit is always in us, ready to do things that we can never do on our own. But in order to receive that power, we have to be humble enough to accept that we can't do it on our own, which can be so difficult when our pride tells us that we can do it on our own Mm -hmm. and that we then have to surrender in obedience. We have to let go. 
Mm. I want to completely surrender and I want to be radical in my obedience as my response to the Holy Spirit. So as we head into this Christmas season, is there a question that you want to leave with our listeners? Um, It's not a question so much as it is a practice during the holidays. I want us to practice every moment holy. Mm. Um, how, How do we do that? Okay, every morning when you wake up, put on your Holy Spirit lens Mm -hmm. and look around at what God's doing through His Spirit. Pay attention to those Holy Spirit moments, um, to those Holy Spirit encounters. Mm -hmm. Notice the details on the margin, those things in your peripheral vision that are happening, and Mm -hmm. write them down and keep a list. That makes it very concrete. Notice it, write it down. Notice it, write it down. The more you do that, the more you will notice, mm-hmm. right, what mm-hmm. the Spirit is up to. And you will be amazed at the work of the Spirit in your life if you don't focus on what we usually focus on during the Christmas season. And now, and I also just, you know, I'm just saying, keep that list handy because you, you may use it again in January. That's just a little <laughs> hint, okay? okay? Thanks for the tip. But remember, during the hol- holiday season is that every moment is holy, and it is set aside for God's purposes, no matter how, no matter how ordinary it seems to us. Yeah. Every moment is holy. Amen to that. Mm. I love that. I think it is absolutely true that the more we look for Him, the more we will see Him. Absolutely. But it's up to us to do the looking, right? Mm-hmm. May we have eyes to see. Absolutely. Okay. Until next time. <laughs>